welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is missionary and evangelist uh, Carlos Chacon. Uh, Brother Chacon uh, is a graduate of Providence Baptist College and has been in ministry for many years, 20 years, uh, on, the on the trail of evangelism, on the trail of missions. And we're excited to talk with him today about uh, his uh, personal testimony, how he was reached for Christ, and also his exciting ministry and how he goes about it. And so thank you so much for coming in, Brother Chacon. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I wanted to discuss first uh, just your personal story. Uh, with how you were reached for Christ um, by Northwest Bible Baptist Church. Um, and I want you to tell your story, but I want to I you know, kind of steer everything toward mm -hmm. uh, the benefits of the bus ministry because basically that's maybe not necessarily how you were reached at first, but definitely you, you were a bus rider coming mm -hmm. to Northwest Bible Baptist Church as a teenager. So can you give us a little bit about who you were? What was your family background? Were you born into a Christian home? Who, who were your parents and what was your life like? Well, my parents were immigrants. My mother comes from Mexico and my father was from Costa Rica. And um, they met in, in Chicago and I was born in, and raised in Chicago. So yeah. in this Chicago area, um, at the age of uh, 15 years old, just, you know, being out in the street, a lot of Hispanic young people are just out in the streets and involved in the gang culture and, and so forth. Uh, one day some soul winners approached me and came and they began to witness to us. They gave us tracts and just trying to witness to us pretty aggressively because I remember that night uh, I, was, I, was I was upset at them because they said, I said, they're taking our spot, our hangout spot, you know. They're just three or four men preaching on our corner where we hang out, you know. Mm. And so I was kind of angry at them, so I left and maybe three, uh, three of my friends, well, 30 minutes later, we came back. I said, they're still there preaching. Let's go. And we came back, and they were still there. So I, in my anger, I said, well, let me get off and tell them, uh, you know, how, how, how disappointed I am and how angry, and just let me run them off. So, well, I got out there, and sure enough, uh, one of the soul winners, you know, with the boldness of the Holy Spirit and the power of God just... Uh, he just began to witness to me and turned everything around to where he said, I need to talk to you and tell you something about how to go to heaven, how to be saved. And of course, I started listening and I started just, you know, hearing the gospel. I never, never heard the gospel in that, you know, in that manner. And so I was saved that night. It began to rain. So in the midst of the rain, uh, I noticed they didn't, you know, pack up and go or anything. They were still uh, very uh, excited about what they were saying. And so that that did something for me to say, well, if they're willing to stay out here in the rain and talk about, you know, the love of God and how they love us and God loves us and how to be saved, well, I, I, I listened, you know, and so I was saved that night. And I remember going home and my mom, you know, would say, hey, it's raining, it's laid out, you know, you're out again at night, just like other nights, hanging out with your friends, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, telling me, um, just being a parent, you know, and, uh, but I said, well, actually this time, you're not going to believe it, but I was in a Bible study in our, in our street corner where we hang out and just up to no good where we, you know, hang out and stuff. But, uh, this time I was listening to, a to a, a Bible study about the gospel. So that, that was my way of saying I got saved, but I didn't know how to say it, you know, and she wouldn't know either. So um, I remember that. So, well, the bus ministry was there in that neighborhood. So the soul winners were working, you know, in accordance with them. And so between the soul winners 
and the bus ministry. So they sent a bus, and the bus came to my house, and kids screaming from the top of their lungs, hallelujah, you know, praise ye the Lord, all this stuff. I said, I'm not getting on that bus. I'm not going. <laughs> I was a cool teenager, you know. I said, yeah. I'm not going. My mom said, you told me you're going, you need to get on there, you know. I went, and, you know, um, but, you know, they kept visiting, they kept following up, and we had lost a little contact. I, I, I think we tried to avoid them. The soul winners came, and uh, on one occasion, we were in a friend's house in that street corner. Um, our friend lived there. The soul winners came, knock on the door. My friend said, let's turn off the lights, let's close the curtains, don't make noise, you know, just be quiet, and they'll go away. Well, I, I felt that was wrong. You know, I knew that was wrong. The Holy Spirit had said, look, that's not right. You know, you could go out and tell them you're not interested or, you know, to leave you alone or something, but hiding and, you know, it's something cowardly, you know. So mm -hmm. I knew that was not right, but God put conviction in my heart over that. And a few weeks later, well, just being out with, with my friends and in street gangs, well, I got caught up in a gang fight with a rival gang and uh, four men who were older and bigger than us and we were younger. I was 15. My friends were 14 and 13, but they were 19 and 20 years old. Well, they, oh, wow. they, um, we found each other in the back of an alley and, and we got into a fight and they beat me up. So they left me completely, you know, with bats and bricks. They beat me. My friends ran. So they completely ran. I stood there and, you know, just took it, you know. So uh, I was on the ground, just completely knocked out. And the ambulance came, took me to the hospital. The doctor said, you have two broken arms. So I had casts. And I had, you know, uh, wounds and I had some stitches and different uh, parts and stuff. And so got home from the hospital. As soon as we walk in, the phone rings. And we say, well, um, who is it? And they said, my sister said, it's for you. It's uh, like a church secretary. And uh, I said, hello. And they said, we have a big day tomorrow. It's called the Beast Feast. It's called, uh, you know, something about alligators eating alligator nuggets. And, and you know, the pastor's a hunter. And, and, and we got this big day. We got this bus in your area. And... We have record, you know, of your salvation, so would you come? And uh, God told me, you're not going to hide from me. You're not going to hide. You're not going to turn off the lights and close the curtains. I'm, fo I'm following you because I have a plan for your life. And, uh, and I have a, you know, have a plan for your life. So the Holy Spirit said, you better go get on that bus. So I said, yes. The bus came the next day. That was Miss Elaine Butts and Brother Andy Butts. So they came. And I started going, of course, kids screaming everywhere. I said, I'm not getting on. I don't want to go on that bus, you know. So they picked up on it. They knew I didn't want to go, um, but I did, I did go. So between them and the soul winners, there was another soul winner who had a classic car, like a Cadillac Impala 72, something like that, you know. And, and he said, listen, I will take you in my car if you come Sunday night and Wednesday night. And he made a deal, but he said, you got to ride the bus Sunday morning. So it was like a deal where I said, okay, I'll put up with the bus on Sunday morning, but I'll come Sunday night with him and Wednesday night. So he kind of took me under his wing to disciple me, train me for soul winning, and uh, talk to me about all my questions as a new believer, and, and uh, took me to McDonald's, you know. And, and so that was my discipleship. And, of mm -hmm. course, the people in the church, the Sunday school teacher and everybody, between everybody just welcoming me and showing their you know, their love for me, and I began to notice, uh, you know, that, that this is a place where people care about you. 
Yeah. Wow, what a, that's an amazing story. You know, starting with that, the boldness of the soul winners there, mm-hmm. standing on the street corner and approaching a group of people. A lot of you know, soul winners who you know, are get, first getting involved in soul winning, uh, that's something they have to develop, this ability to be, to be bold, to mm-hmm. rely on the Holy Spirit and just, just tell the truth, approach whoever it is, mm-hmm. and just uh, give the gospel regardless, especially when you got a young man who's upset and confrontational mm-hmm. and like, what are you doing on my corner? Get off. That's pretty awesome mm-hmm. stuff. And um, just how, you know, persistence. Sometimes as soul winners, we can get discouraged because somebody rejects us or, you know, some bus workers can get discouraged because, you know, mm-hmm. every bus every bus worker knows that trick. Shh, turn off the TV. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. I know you're home. I yeah. saw you turn off the TV, you know. Um, but the, the fact that they were persistent and yet uh, God was chasing you, God was pursuing you, and you finally yielded to that and got into church. It's amazing. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, that uh, Buds and Mrs. Buds and how they influenced you uh, on that bus? Uh, you talked about the, the individual that, uh, discipled you? Were there some hurdles in particular for you personally that um, you had to uh, overcome uh, in being discipled? Well, probably at first, um, I did go to church Sunday night and Wednesday night and just completely got in with both feet. You know, they gave me John and Romans. I started reading the Bible and, through a John and Romans. And so I, I began this habit, you know, of attending church. So my friends began to say, you know, it's okay to go to church maybe once in a while or Sunday morning, but you're really going overboard, you know. Mm-hmm. My friends began to, to, I guess, that peer pressure from the world, you know. And, uh, and, and very slightly, my family, just people in my family, uh, just began to say, look, it's good to go to church. We're glad for you, you know, but you're overdoing it. And, of course, it's because the cross... The Bible says it offends them. You know, if they're not attending church, it it, it brings an offense. So, uh, but I, I, you know, overcame that and just kept going to church and just just decided to be faithful and and continue and just overcome those obstacles. Separated from my friends who obviously they they began to separate from me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got a haircut. I had this long ponytail, you know, that was in style for for gangbangers. So one day I said, um, I'm going to cut it and got a haircut. And, uh, you know, started started trying to dress more appropriately, more church-like. And, and so that was kind of a, I had this sports jacket of L.A. Raiders. You know, for some people it's a sports team, but for us in the, in the world, uh, there are some symbols that are, that are gang-related, you know, codes. Mm-hmm. And so w- there was a, a different reason we weren't fans of Los Angeles Raiders, but there were certain symbols in, through different sports teams that people wear that it's like talking in code, you know, yeah. and only the gang bangers know what the codes are, you know, what side you're on, what, what gang you're in, what neighborhood you're from. And so you can read that, you know. So, uh, but I knew that and I said, well, this is a very nice jacket. It's a starter jacket, you know, a good brand and keeps, you know, keeps you warm for the winter. But I said, I need to get rid of that patch, you know. And I told my mom one day, I said, you know, she does sewing and stuff. I said, can you, can you get rid of this patch, cut it off nicely so I can keep the jacket? You know, so she got, she took off the patch of the logos and, and the words and stuff and just was just a plain jacket. So I went to school. My friend said, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> and all this stuff. You got your hair cut. You got this jacket now that, you know, you got your logos off. And uh, so that was kind of the time that they really said, we're done with you. And, you know, so, so, but that's, that's what happens. That's the purpose, you know, of course, replace my friends with, with new Christian friends and, and men who were discipling me. And uh, so just began a new life in Christ, you know, growing and, and so forth. I want to just talk about the, the next step. I mean, 
so you were in a public school setting, all your friends separated from you, and you just alluded to the fact that you were building new friendships and, you know, around the church. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I think probably had a huge influence on your life and developing you and discipling you was probably a Christian school setting, which you had the opportunity to do. How did that come about? Well, one day we were just talking and I was still just a few months in church, still new and going through this process of learning. And uh, we were talking with Pastor Gomez in his office, just kind of a time we stopped in to say hello. And um, he, well, he said, you know, he, he suggested one day, he said, well, if God's calling you to preach, because I had expressed the call to preach, he said, you need to prepare for the ministry and you need to prepare starting right now. And he said, you need to come to our, our Christian school. Yeah. And uh, he said, I don't let bus kids and people, you know, that are not church members and so forth. Your parents are not church members. I don't let people come in for, you know, to study in, in our Christian school, but I'm willing to make an exception if you're willing to, you know, to do your part and so forth. And uh, so absolutely, you know, so I started, I went to Christian school. And uh, so that's how I started going to the Christian school, did three years of high school at NBA. Mm. And uh, it was an amazing time. I would work at McDonald's at night, had my little car, you know, I'd drive to, drive to school. And uh, so just totally, you know, got in, involved in, in the Christian education. Yeah, and no doubt um, that has, you know, kind of change your worldview. Uh, and no doubt uh, there are, uh, just as there are, you know, influences in a public school setting, uh, there's even in a Christian school setting, there's, you know, there's a, you know, maybe friends that you shouldn't have and friends you should have. Um, how did you ne negotiate that a little bit? It was hard at first because, you know, I had somebody come from the world. Um, they're very careful with certain things. And uh, so they, they'll normally have, you know, higher standards and so forth for themselves. And I understand that kids who grew up in church, it's hard to find that, that, you know, uh, it's hard to find that line, you know, of saying, you know, uh, what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. It's preached. They know it. You know, kids know it uh, because it's preached uh, all our standards and things that, that we should do and shouldn't do. But I noticed that some, you know, some students were curious about the things of the world. So their curiosity made them do things that maybe they shouldn't do, sure. you know, and I'm sitting here thinking, well, uh, at that time, it was confusing for me. I said, I just came out of that and we got, I got saved out of that. The pastor just preached about, don't do that, you know, yeah. and you're all are talking about it, some of you. So, you know, I knew it was certainly not the school system. You know, the school system was definitely doing everything it should do. And, and uh, but sometimes young Christian, young people, I have noticed that, that they will have curiosity about the things of the world. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, even our you know, young viewers need to be aware of. Youth pastors need to be aware of that. Man, there's just this natural curiosity that people have, you know, mm -hmm. of the unknown, mm -hmm. and uh, that's going to be there. Um, you you talked to me about how you've written a discipleship book in Spanish mm -hmm. um, uh, for your ministry, and can you talk to me about some of the things that you talk about and have written in your discipleship book, and how that correlates to your experience, you know, growing, uh, you know, being saved as a teenager and then being discipled and going through a Christian school and even Bible college. You know, I'm very uh, passionate about that to speak about that I when I teach in Bible colleges in Mexico and so forth because uh, I think we have a misconception of discipleship and actually I, this is my second book I first wrote a book on soul winning it's just a soul winning manual to teach people how to witness how to be soul winners it's all in Spanish but I recently just wrote a book on discipleship about about how to disciple people and um, you know the way is uh, and I'm convinced of it from from experience, from my personal experience, from this church, how they treated me, and just from what works, what brings fruit. And, you know, discipleship is 
uh, I really believe in, in, in through through friendship and through loving people. The Bible says love edifies. Mm -hmm. So it's like the question about missions. We often say, well, an American cannot pastor on a foreign field because he cannot connect with the culture. This is true. Culture is very important, and cu culture can open doors or close doors. This is there's some truth to that, but at the end, love overcomes that, and mm -hmm. we know that by stories like David Livingston, you know, who was in Africa, and the people said, "We want his heart," you know. So why why did they say that? Because they felt that he loved them. Mm -hmm. So love edifies. So. Um, you know, if you want to be a good bus captain, you want to be a good soul winner, take a young person out and, and just ask them, how's your week at school? How's things at home? You know, we're so much in a hurry to knock so many doors, you know, but if we can just sit down and just say, you know, some of these kids live in a home where maybe their parents are going to get divorced, they're fighting, maybe, you know, there's drugs, there's addictions. And so they just need a little, you know, love. And uh, if we can talk to them, and uh, I know young kids are immature and they still may not be ready, you know, to grow up, but they will always remember that. And they will always know when they need somebody to go to, they will call you, you know. And so uh, that's what I that's what I think that love edifies. The Bible says mm -hmm. um, somebody said people uh, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. You know, it's mm -hmm. something like that. It's where we say, look, this um, is more important, you know, in discipleship than um, than taking a little booklet and having somebody, you know, go through the booklet and answer all the questions. I'm all for Bible study and things like this, but discipleship, you know, I mean, our in our ministry in Mexico, we'll play soccer with the kids and we'll have fun. And to me, that's discipleship, yeah. you know, that's laughing with them, that's having a good time, that's letting them know we're human and, and we know that, they, that they're human and we just want to interact. And, uh, so um, not faking something, you know, not, not acting like we're some, you know, some minister or something like that or mm -hmm. that we only talk about spiritual things. But that to me, that is discipleship. You know, if you want to build a youth group, you got to sure we need spiritual things like teaching and, and counseling and things like this. But uh, and also discipleship is, is something we have to model. I'm saying I'm referring to if we if we say, well, the Bible says to pray, but it's better to say, come with me to the prayer meeting. Mm. Or the Bible says to be a soul winner, it's better to say, come with me, let's go soul winning. You know, let's go to the hospital to see somebody sick or let's go, uh, you know, somewhere and, and, and visit somebody. So it's something where it's indirect. I mean, we don't have to say, look, I'm going to disciple you. Um, you just you just start doing it. You know, Andy Butts and Lane Butts didn't say to me, we're going to disciple you. But they just said, hey, come and we appreciate you so much. They visited me, you know. And one time there was a prize. They said, there's a big day. Whoever brings the most visitors, you're getting this prize. Three days vacation with us in St. Louis, Missouri, to some horse ranch that they have with their parents, you know, or, or something. Yeah. And I said, wow, I want to win that prize. So I told all my, my gang friends. And I kind of just went to them and said, look, we're not hanging out anymore. But, you know, it's because of a church reason. And they kind of respected that. So I said, Can you guys do me a favor. They're trying to fill this bus up. Can you guys be my visitors? I'm going to win a prize. And they said, sure, why not? So on that day, we had 17 visitors. My whole <laughs> street gang was at that corner. Wow. The bus came. They got on. I remember some of the bus workers were just, uh, you know, just excited. I mean, all their promises that said they were going to come. Nobody came. A bad day, winter, you know, yeah. and just uh, but that one stop filled up, you know, made up for the loss of other promises and just uh, uh, just was a very exciting time. So Brother Andy Butts had said also whoever wins, you know, another promotion was 
gonna, uh, he said, I will, I will let the visitors get an egg and crack it on his head. You know, just something silly, just yeah. something fun and silly. But obviously, you know, he said that and he did that and everybody, all my friends were cracking eggs on his head, you know, and things like that. But after, you know, seeing a broader view, we say that, that is love, you know, and that's discipleship to me because uh, I know because I'm still here. Yeah. I know because it worked for me. So, so now that's what I try to do, you know, out, out and about when it, in my ministry, just show young people, just love them. And uh, I think that, that that's what works. Well, that's, that's very profound and it's very true. Uh, many times people have a misconception that discipleship is a curriculum you buy, you know. But discipleship, I love how you put it, is love. Discipleship is love. It's a relationship with people. Thanks so much for joining us, Brother Chacon, and sharing your testimony and how it relates to soul winning and discipleship as well. And uh, if you want to catch us on YouTube and check out our other episodes, you can do that. Be sure to like uh, this video and subscribe. And then you can also check out us on our audio-only platforms. Thanks so much for joining us.